How many of you were here uh, for our last year's Easter service? What was last year? I was here in this very sanctuary. I think the Lacombs were here too. Just a few of us. Some of you, some of you, you, you may have attended. You may have attended. You might have been with coffee on the couch. Uh, but uh, yeah, last year. Last year was, um, we didn't meet uh, for Easter, and uh, we were fumbling through uh, what we are to do as a church and how this works, and uh, it was a great Sunday, uh, but not what it could have, should have been uh, for us gathering to celebrate what uh, God has done for us in His Son, Jesus. We are our people uh, that we uh, have adjusted this last year. I, I think about our kids that are down in Mexico. Right now, there's 14 of them plus, I think, six adults. And uh, just, you know, I've seen some pictures online and I, I follow those closely because I, I love seeing and thinking about them, where they are and how they're worshiping the, even this morning. And uh, as uh, we they go through the week and as they participate and they get to meet uh, families and uh, play with kids and all these special things that they get to do. Last year, we did not do that. Uh, last year, we uh, weren't able to go down there. And so uh, it's interesting. Uh, this year, I think all but one of the kids had never gone before. And so it was a, a new experience for them. Uh, and we're excited to hear uh, their impressions and what God does in their life uh, as they come home. Uh, yeah, just a lot going on. Um, we are, uh, you know, it's this time of year. This time of year uh, is called, uh, sort of called the Passion Week. And we, uh, you know, why is it called the Passion Week? You can connect that with really the suffering of Christ and also his, um, uh, his life or his emotion, his, his passion for that event. And as you consider uh, what, what happened in the week before he went to the cross or the week as he goes to the cross, you see uh, steps of, of faith on his part. I'm hearing a little bit of ringing in this, Jeff. Um, we, uh, we realize that as God had his plan uh, for redemption, that Jesus walked through those things and uh, not everyone got the events and uh, there were significant things where they were rejoicing, but also for those who were trying to stop it, uh, this idea that Jesus would go to the cross, and yet Jesus, knew the, knowing the plan, um, step by step, uh, eventually gave his life. Um, this is Palm Sunday, as Zach mentioned, and they cried Hosanna. Uh, they were excited. Um, the, the reason they cried Hosanna is because they were looking for a Savior. They were looking for someone to fix uh, this life that they were living, and they knew it was wrong. They knew that it was a mess, both government as well as the things they struggled with. And they looked to Jesus, and they wanted him to come and give them what they wanted. Um, later that same week, uh, the crowds would not cry Hosanna, but they would cry, crucify him. Well, the, the flyer that we... Um, set on your, your pew here today. Uh, hopefully, it's going to go out to most of our community and even uh, a lot of people in town that we know of. Um, 
And there's a reason for that. We, we want to stick out a hand uh, of grace and, and hope uh, for our community. And, uh, you know, we, we're praying for the weather, too. If the weather is like today, it'll be awesome. But uh, Wednesday, we went out to uh, the lake to check it out. and It was freezing. It was freezing. And so uh, we're hoping for more of today and less of Wednesday uh, next Sunday. So you can pray for that. But we, we can do it here as well. Uh, um, we, we stick our hand out to the community because we know what, what it's like. We know what life is like without Jesus. Some of us, real recent like, you know. Uh, it is something that uh, as we know what it is, it may have been just a short period of time that you walked without Jesus. You were lost in your sins. You watched the news without hope of heaven. Uh, you should never watch the news, period. But uh, you should never watch the news without the hope of heaven, right? Uh, because if you watch it for any period of time, you realize that uh, it's not good news, it's bad news, and the future looks worse than today. And so as we look at that, we realize that these are the people in our community. Uh, these, this is where we live in this day and age today now. We, uh, I'm going to be sharing on next Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, um, I'm going to be talking about from Hebrews chapter 6, an anchor for the soul. And as you think about who uh, your flyer will go to and uh, who you hope will go and the idea of extending a hand personally to them, think through who needs an anchor for their soul. Which one of your friends and neighbors and family members which one of them do you think of and know that needs an anchor for their soul? And you say, well, they will never come. Certainly they won't come. If you don't ask them, you know, obligate them, manipulate them, whatever you got to do, right? Bend their arm, threaten them, bribe them. Uh, anchor for their soul. And uh, as... I've considered this last year myself. I'm thankful for the anchor for my soul. Thankful that, uh, you know, in a crazy world, being a crazy person, uh, that there's an anchor for this. There's a, a, a foundation that I have that's not of myself, that's not uh, based on what I can accomplish and what I can do. It's based upon uh, God who loves me so much that sent his son Jesus. 2020 was a crazy year, wasn't it? It was crazy. And so uh, when January 1st uh, came, we were so thankful that it was now 2021 and all our problems will be fixed. (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) It's cured all our problems, hasn't it? Uh, All we had hoped for. It was kind of uh, anticlimactic, wasn't it? We kind of sat on the edge of our seats and we go, oh, they're still there, you know. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning. I want to share with you just a little bit about our community, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our golf partners. Uh, I want to share where we all are at, both saved and unsaved. 
uh, in the course of history. Um, Let me just pray for us as we begin. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Pray that we would um, trust it. Uh, God, even as I shared with the little ones that um, your word is truth uh, in the midst of lies and deceptions and half-truths and manipulations, your word is truth. And God, as we uh, see your plan unfolding, uh, God, I ask that you would cause us to be clear in our own minds, first of our own destination, our anchor for our own soul, and then have eyes to see what you're doing in other people's lives as well. God, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, I'm going to bounce around a little, but if you want to uh, turn to John chapter 3, that's where I'm going to spend the bulk of our time. But as we begin, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, God's word starts out and it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Uh, and you say, are we in the last times? And I say, yes, we are. How much longer? I don't know. I don't have a clue. But this idea that, uh, you know, it's going to be in our minds sometimes. I, I know growing up in the church and you hear about uh, things that are going to happen in the future, future things or the conclusion of God's plan. I always thought, hey, that's going to be a long time from now. Um, but as you continue to see things progress, I want to tell you that maybe that's an older person's thing, but it can't be much longer. That, that's where we, we go as we th- see things progress. But this is what it says in God's word. And, and people don't have a clue of uh, how much sooner it's going to happen. But there's a lot of things going on in the world right now. A lot. Um, God's word says this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And then it describes this time, uh, this time of difficulty that are the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Then it goes on. What does that describe to you? What What do those words mean to you? It's kind of a checklist, isn't it? I I don't know if you feel like that as you read that. You go, nope, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, oh, that one too. Definitely that one. Some of you parents, you saw that disobedient to parents. You said, right there, right there. Yeah, yeah, saw that this morning. Saw that this morning. Um, and, And as you go through this list, you say, there's evidence. There's evidence. We can convict on this one, right? There's a checklist right here. I see this in our world right now. And it's not just a little bit, right? It's not, it's not just a, a tiny bit of these things. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And so as you connect this, what is he talking about? These last times. These last times before these end times events happen. And he says there, there will be times of difficulty and they'll look like this. And we go, yep, that's what it looks like. 
And so for you in your mind, you've you got to kind of think, the Lord could return right now. <laughs> like there, there's, there's evidence that the things before are happening right now, so the things after are ready to go. Turn over to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 24, and this is another passage that talks about similar things like this. Matthew chapter 24, uh, in verse 3, it says this, and speaking of Jesus, it says, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, uh, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they uh, will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, uh, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of the birth pains. Uh, It's always dangerous for a pastor to talk about birth pains, right? Because I've never had a baby. <laughs> Been in the hospital. And, and you, know, the, you know the ticker tape thing that they got going on? You know, they connect your wife up to the ticker tape thing, and it's going like this. And those birth pains are coming. And, uh, and she feels them. You see them, both in her and on the ticker tape thing, right? You know, and it, it gets more intense, and then it drops down, and then it gets more intense. And that's the picture, that's the picture, Jesus' picture of what is going to happen at the end. And what are these events that are going to happen? Well, earthquakes, famines, these, these kinds of things, wars. And also, it says uh, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Uh, those words are a little bit different than we would see them as, but like peoples, peoples, nations. Do you see any peoples group rising up against people? Do you see any uh, uh, hatred of one group of people to another in the United States? <laughs> you know, that's not, by the way, I just want to tell you, that's not the Democrats and the Republicans. It is, but it isn't. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's people groups from different ethnic groups, right? That come from different places that they, there's going to rise up one against the other. Is that happening? Yes, it's happening. And kingdom, those are the nations. Kingdom against kingdom. Uh, China. Even just me saying that. Some of you are going, wait, 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 is, that, is that in there? Uh, yeah, it's a kingdom. United States is a kingdom. Russia. Iran. You know, and then all those South American countries, right? Uh, you, you look at this and you realize, you realize these things are happening. These things are happening and these are the birth pains as they begin uh, this process of the end. I want to tell you uh, the time is short. Time is short. And how short it is, I don't know. I don't know. But we see the things that are happening um, I think that if you uh, watch and read the news uh, with this in mind, uh, there'll be a, a joy and excitement even as the world unravels to know that this is part of uh, the Lord bringing to fruition his plan, uh, concluding uh, the, the things of this earth.
Well, let's turn over to John chapter 3. And uh, some of you may have uh, may know the verse John 3:16. We're going to skip over that. We might come back to it later, but I want to do those verses after that this morning. And I just want to talk to you briefly about why Jesus came uh, for you. And I would say why Jesus came for you, but why did he come for us? And why did he come for them? And when I say them, it's all those people who live in Bear Valley, Tehachapi, Golden Hills, Alpine Forest, Mountain Meadows, Fairview Ranch, like all these places, you know, these huge communities in the greater Kern County here, right? Uh, why did God send his son? And, and really, this isn't why Jesus came, but why was Jesus sent? Why did the Father send his son? And as we look at this this morning, I hope that our heart breaks uh, for our young people uh, that don't yet know uh, of the gospel, for our, our neighbors, our, our co-workers that are lost. Uh, I hope it breaks our heart uh, because God loved us so much that he sent his son. We first start out, uh, Jesus came because of some things, because of some problems. And as you look down at God's word, uh, John chapter 3, I, I told you to turn there and I forgot to turn there myself. Uh, John chapter 3, I, I want to share with you specifically these verses following John 3.16 because I think it, it describes in a little bit more detail why. Why, why did he send his son? As Jesus uh, was speaking really about the plan that was being worked out in him, uh, it says in verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, verse 18, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Where do people stand without Jesus? They are condemned already. They're guilty and pronounced guilty. It's a done deal. It's not like the, the, their life is in the balance, right? It's not in the balance. They are condemned. These words are heavy. As you think about this and this picture... He, he doesn't go into detail, but we know from the scripture that we are all born into sin. But it's not just that we are born into sin and even continually committing sin. But this idea that our rejection, our prideful rejection of the God who made us has caused us to be condemned, stuck already. Prior to understanding the gospel, there is no hope. As you think about uh, yourself prior to knowing Jesus, that's what you were. You were condemned. And so that's why we sing songs like, how marvelous, how marvelous. You know, it's, it's amazing thing. It's exciting. Why? Because I was condemned. I was condemned. I was lost. I was guilty. Guilty because of what I had done, because of who I was, what I was born. I was, I was condemned. 
but uh, because of Jesus, I'm not. But this picture, why Jesus came or why Jesus was sent was because man stands in condemnation. They're stuck there already prior uh, to the gospel. They're already there. It's hard for us, but, uh, you know, I hear so often as men philosophize about this world, they say things like, well, I believe that uh, people are basically good. And uh, I want to say, how do you come to that conclusion? You know, where did you get that? Because I think the evidence would show otherwise. Scripture tells us that men are condemned already. We go on in verse 19, and and I'm kind of giving a brief, I'm grabbing some words from this passage that describe why Jesus came. He came because man kind stood in condemnation. As we look down at verse 19, and it says, and this is the judgment, the, the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light. The, the description in verse 19 is this, that, that men walk in darkness and love darkness. They love it. Not because it's good to them, but because it's comfortable and it's what they know. You watch mankind and you watch the heart of man and you realize that that this is darkness, it's wickedness. That's the other word that's going to be used as you go on uh, in verse 19. It says, and people love darkness rather than light because of their works were evil. Evil word, verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. You see in those couple of verses there that there's walking and loving darkness and there's doing evil and wickedness. And why? Uh, Because it's what they do. It's what they know, right? They're stuck in it. It's part of this idea of being condemned. You're, You're condemned because of the guilt of your sins, of the things that you've done, the rejection of God. And what comes out of your life is is. You know, because of the place you live, they love darkness. Why? Because the light would expose it. And so their deeds are marked by wickedness and evil. As you look at this, you realize, oh, that was me. That was me. I would have never got it without Jesus. And as you look in an onlooking world, family members, neighbors, friends, that's where they are right now. And so as you answer this, so why was Jesus sent? He was sent because of the state of unredeemed man. It was so bad. It was sending uh, the Savior. It's interesting that as we looked at um, the passage in Matthew, um, it was the sending of a Savior, right? It, it, It was this idea that the world was so bad. As we look at this, we realize that, that this is the state of man without Jesus. And so what was God's plan? His plan was, because he loved, to send his son. And as you think about uh, your life and the lives of those around you, remember that as we consider Christmas and Easter, right? The celebration of the birth and the celebration of the resurrection, 
we connect these two. And why did he come? Why did he come? Because the state of my soul, the, the plight that I, you know, because of what was true of me and the, the course I was on, God loved me so much that he sent his son. Well, let's, let's continue to move on. Uh, that's really the bad news, uh, why he sent his, his son. But Jesus will learn a few things about the remedy of Jesus. If you look down at verse 17, I know we uh, kind of going back and forth here, but that's okay. Um, for those of you who are OCD, just get used to it, okay? It's a good day for you. Grow a little. Um, verse 17 says this, For God did not send his, uh, his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order uh, that the world might be saved through him. Saved through him. Uh, Know this, and I think that sometimes we, uh, an onlooking world looks at uh, the message of Jesus and the scriptures and they say, oh, you know, I don't like reading the scriptures because I just feel condemned. I, I feel like God just hates me and I feel like God's message to me is you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. And, and, and I think it's important for us to remember uh, this, these verses right here. Why was Jesus sent into the world? Not to condemn. Not to condemn. In fact, they were condemned already, right? Um, you can point out to people if they say, oh, you know, God just wants me to feel bad. and Say, no, you're, you're doing a fine job. You're doing a fine job without him, right? You feel bad before you even think of it, Right? The things that you've done and the way you've treated people and the thoughts that you have. Don't you feel guilty about that? And they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah. That's right, because they're already condemned. But Jesus didn't come to condemn. What what was his purpose? His purpose was to save those who are condemned. Salvation. And so why did Jesus come? To save condemned already sinners like us. And like your neighbors, and like your family members. This is why it's so exciting that Jesus was sent to be the Savior. It's interesting, too, in Matthew, the passage we read, it says that many will come claiming to be the Christ. Well, you say, I haven't met anybody that thought they were Jesus, except that guy that walks up and down the street in Santa Barbara, you know, that guy. But most people don't say they're like, they're Jesus, they're the Christ. Well, Christ is Messiah of the Old Testament, the Savior. I'm going to save you. Oh, I'm going to be the one that's going to fix everything. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe if you broaden out that a little bit. Yeah, there are a lot of people who think that they're the Savior. Politicians, inventors, right? Inventors, I say inventors. Because, you know, the next new gadget, they go, this is going to change the world. And you should always ask, in a good way or a bad way? (laughs) Saviors, many saviors will come. Many people have great ideas in their minds of what's going to fix everything and, and make everything better. Give TED Talks, right? You know, they can fix the world in 21 minutes or whatever it is. You you get this idea that many are coming 
But Jesus came. He was sent by the Father for what reason? To save the world. To save condemned sinners. And so as we we look at this, we realize that Jesus came to save. Don't get... Uh, I, I want to tell you, you should, you should read Jesus' teachings. You should know how he healed and, and, and what. But those were all pointing to this fact that he was the Savior. He wasn't just trying to, you know, you think of the feeding of the 5,000 and you go, what was Jesus doing? He was doing a really cool miracle. Lunch. Yeah. It wasn't just about lunch, right? Because they needed lunch the next day too, right? And Jesus wasn't around and they were hoping he would be, right? But Jesus was, came not just for lunch, but he came as the Savior. As you look at verse 18, uh, John chapter 3, verse 18, you see this, that uh, talked about being saved, but verse 18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Jesus came that he would be believed, that we would believe in him, that we would put our trust in him. I think so often as we uh, consider Jesus, and maybe we struggle with this here at Bear Valley Church, we say, you know, I want to go to a good church and a good community. You know, that's nice. I want to go to one of those traditional churches, you know, that really feels like a church when you go in. And Bear Valley Church, you know, they got pews and a mosaic. And like they are, I feel like there's in a church, right? Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we go to the lake and sometimes we go to the parking lot too, right? You know, but, but this idea that there would just be this feeling and this idea that you would hear nice words and then go about your way. That's not what we're talking about here. It's that we would put our our faith and our trust, our belief in him and not ourselves and not some other idea. He's not another idea to combine with your life right now, your own ideas, but one that you would solely believe in, that he would be the place where you put your trust when it comes to the issue of your soul in your life. Jesus came that he might be believed in. And lastly, as we, uh, we see God's word, um, as we see in this passage, Jesus came that we, might be believe, that we might believe in him. And lastly, Jesus came because he was the only one who could. If you look down at verse 19 again, you see this. Uh, verse 19, and th- this is the judgment This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and and people love darkness rather than the light uh, because their works were evil. Verse 20, for everyone who does uh, wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. As you look at this, you see the desperate times and, and man has tried to work this out. They've tried to work this out. Um, what is the answer to most every person you talk to uh, about the gospel? How are you going to get to heaven? Well, you know, I'm just trying my best. Look at that passage. What's their best? At best, they're walking in darkness, right? 
The proof is that their evil deeds and their wickedness, it comes out all the time. So, so there's no answer. There's no answer for our evil and wicked deeds. So, so what do we do? How do we get there? I, I want to tell you there, there's a reason that Jesus came. I want to point something out. Uh, in verse 18, it says, the only son of God. The only son of God. Meaning that he was the special one. Uh, if you do look at um, verse 16, 316, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only, only, only. Out of all uh, people who have ever lived, there, there's, there's this one special special, only by himself category for Jesus. It was because he was God come in the flesh, and uh, as some theologians have termed the the soul of infinite worth, right? That was him. And and so as we look at uh, the state of man lost in their sins, and, and we realize that Jesus came to be the Savior, right? And that we are to believe in him. Many in our own minds go, well, I'm gonna, I, I got a better idea. I got a different way to do this. You know, I, I got a workaround. I'm a do-it-yourselfer. I'm going to figure it out by myself. There's got to be a different way. I'm going to invent another idea. I want to tell you, you, when you see that word only in this passage, Jesus is presented, he came because he was the only one who could. The only sinless one, the only infinite one, the only, only one that uh, understood the plan. He was the, the method for the father to work out his plan, his son, his special son. And so he was the only one who could. As you think about uh, your family and friends, I, I want to encourage you to think about this. I, I think that uh, it, in America, we try to mind our own business, and in many ways we should, right? But when it comes to the issue of your soul and the souls of the ones that you love, the ones that you know, there's only one way for them, even if they think there's a lot of them. Even if they think they don't need Jesus, they do. And so for us to keep in mind the reason Jesus came is because he was the only one who could. Time is short and Jesus is the only answer. I want to summarize three points uh, here this morning as we close. And I want you to think about the people that you know. I want you to think about the ones, and this isn't just about Easter or Good Friday, it's about you know, why God has us here in this time, in this place. I think about um, who he has placed you with. Some of you say, well, you know, I don't know that many people. I don't know that many people. You know, I'm just raising kids right now. And, you know, these kids are crazy. I got to go to this soccer thing and this horse thing and this Zoom thing. And I got I to gotta do things. And I want to say, Maybe God has you going to that soccer game with that other family. 
Maybe those wild Indians that are, you know, your kids' friends, maybe those are the ones that God wants you to have impact on. And maybe that's what he's going to do in that family, in that life, through that, that wild kid that you don't really like having at your house that often. Put away the valuables, right? I'm not talking about your grandkids. That's different. But uh, th- th- this idea that this is why God has us, not just for Easter, not just for this time, but for all time. These three things, let's keep these in mind. That God sent his son to bring us and them to salvation. God sent his son to bring us and them to salvation. Jesus uh, wasn't just a great story. Uh, He was the savior. Secondly, and these are in progression. God sent his son to a world that is, is dead, is dead, and has dead ideas about how to resurrect themselves. Think about that. Their, their methods of salvation are, are dead. They have, they're dead in their sins, but they also have dead ideas about how to resurrect themselves. Their ideas won't work. Um, and so I, I want to encourage you, if, if someone ever rejects the gospel as you share it, they say, oh, I don't need that stuff. And you say, well, when you do, let's talk again. And I'll be praying about that until we talk again, because I know it's the right answer for you. And lastly, for us to remember that Jesus is the only one. He's the only one. You know, in a world of there's always another option, there's always another idea, there's always another uh, store you can go to to buy the same thing. Jesus is the only one for sinners like you and me. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunities that uh, this week holds. And God, I do pray that you would open our eyes to see opportunity and for us to have impact. We ask that you would do your work. Uh, We think of the upcoming service uh, next Sunday morning. And God, we do pray uh, for weather that would uh, work, but more importantly, that people would come and that they would hear and that they would be encouraged by your people and they'd hear clearly the message. God, and that you would somehow use that, even if it's not that day, but to draw them to yourself, that they might be enveloped in a a church that loves your word, loves your gospel, fit for heaven, that you would use this in the process process of their lives, and even a domino effect to their whole family. God, you know uh, your plan. Uh, God, we want to be faithful. We want to cling to uh, your hand as we walk through these turbulent times. God, I do pray, even as it later says in the book of Matthew, that uh, many, uh, because of the difficulty of the times, many, their, their love will grow cold. And may that not be us. May we get more excited as the days go on, knowing that your plan is coming to the end. God, we thank you for this time. Glorify yourself in your church here in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.